0: You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at
1: chargebacks911.com.
0: This episode is from an earlier interview with Monica Eaton Cardone, the COO of Chargebacks 911. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar.
1: Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Marybeth Kozmowski. Today I'm interviewing Monica Eaton Cardone. She's an entrepreneur and business leader with expertise in technology, e-commerce, risk relativity, and payment processing solutions. She is the CEO of Chargebacks Nine One One and CIO of its parent company, Global Risk Technologies. Monica, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you become an entrepreneur? How did you get to being sort of in the C-suite right now where you're at? How did it happen?
0: Well, I think probably like most entrepreneurs, my path was a little unconventional. I started out, I've always been interested in technology and actually, my interest started to peak when I was a teenager. And my family moved from one high school to another. And unfortunately, all of the fun electives were taken. So I would have much rather taken like home ec or sewing or fashion. And instead, the only ones were like wood shop and computer programming and like all of these different DOS programs. So little did I know, I actually had an aptitude In technology, I enjoyed the design components and I started to fall in love with, you know, what you could do with technology and things continue to evolve. I ended up having some incredible mentors, people that I worked for at an early age and with Chargebacks 911, my current venture, this started, actually, I, I became a merchant online and out of necessity. Used technology to help resolve a problem that I had continuously that I couldn't resolve with any other method. And that was chargebacks. And one thing led to another. It's one of those, you know, unbelievable stories where the product that you develop for yourself to solve your own problem, you're thinking that nobody else has that same problem. And you realize actually the whole world is suffering from the same thing. <laughs> they were all living in silos, not communicating. I was one of the founders originally. I'm very active in the company today, and that pretty much brings us up to speed.
1: Well, I find it really interesting, and I think that you are not alone in this, where when you were in high school, you were going to, you would have chosen classes that were not the ones that were the ones that were left. You would have chosen different classes, home ec, sewing, something like that. You know, if you think about that, how often do you think that happens right now to women, to girls who choose these things that seems like they're going to like that better?
0: Great question. And, you know, I think it really deserves a lot of thought. There's a lot of attention, you know, to take a top-down approach and inspire companies or promote their efforts to bring on more women in technology, et cetera. But what I have found is a bottom-up approach is actually more effective. And just simply stated, a great example is like playing the piano. You know, if you're never exposed to piano lessons, then you don't know if you have a talent for playing the piano. And I guarantee as a child, you will hate all of those piano lessons. (laughs) You will resent the fact that your parents made you play it. But as an adult, you may find that you really had a talent. Maybe, you know, you grow to love music, but you would have missed that entirely if you wouldn't have had exposure. And it's interesting, you know, you look at what's different in Asia, where, you know, it's almost 50-50 for women in technology or in, you know, some of these, you know, more in the States, we would see it definitely predominantly men. But what they do is they require all of these different fields to be exposed to women equally at that age.
1: I also agree with the bottom up strategy because there's many organizations now that have sprung up that are, you know, foundations and other organizations that are really there to prompt girls to get into these, you know, finance related classes, engineering related classes, computer related classes. It's just something that boy, if I get to take an elective, I'm going to take whatever I want and that is not exactly what I want because that's just how it is for whatever reason. And I think we do have to, you know, expose the younger girls at an earlier age to these things, because they might be like you were really good at it.
0: Yeah, you know, I think expose is one way of looking at it. But another way, you know, regardless of an elective, it really, as harsh as it seems for our culture, we need to force it. Yes. <laughs> um, Just like we force, you know, every student is going to learn academics, they're going to learn you know English and writing and social studies etc it should be a requirement not an elective and that's one of the biggest issues that i see with our system today and why some other countries are making you know strides
1: that we aren't if you look at the teachers you know a lot of the teachers in the younger grades are women and they also don't feel like they love math and they love science and they love computers and they love all of these things and so I do agree with mandatory. You know, I think that the teachers need to be trained and retrained to be able to be really good at these things, especially the female teachers who the students look up to.
0: That's a great point. You know, something that is interesting if you just take women traditionally. Most women in high school, I think there was a survey that was stated, you know, what would they be more interested in doing? And there was all these careers that were listed. And something like 90% of all the girls age 14 to 16 had stated that they would be interested in interior design, which is something that goes along with, you know, being a girl. It's fun. You get to design. It's, you know, creative. The thing that we don't recognize is that if you are studying interior design, This actually takes math. It takes working with different objects, seeing how things relate. You're building stuff. There's really very little difference with software development. You're creating something that has artistic value. You're creating something from nothing. You're figuring out what pieces you can put together to create a result. And that can be very aesthetic. And then you look at the e-commerce trends. Women are guiding all of the spending and actually helping to architect that entire community. So. Not to say that men aren't just as creative, but I just think, you know, there's an aptitude there that's getting left out sometimes.
1: So maybe it's repositioning these types of things as opposed to it being this, ugh, something we don't like, repositioning it to share the things that we actually do like about it. For instance, my company, Red Zone Marketing, works a lot in financial services and One of the reasons that women have said they don't want to get into financial services, become a financial advisor is because it requires a lot of math and finance and understanding of the stock market and economics and all of that. And frankly, all those things are learned abilities. You know, you don't need to be able to figure out the alpha and the beta of a mutual fund or a stock. You don't need to be doing all of those things. That stuff is already created for you. It's really a relationship skill to get people to do the financial planning and things like that. And so I think if we reposition some of these things, it's not what you think it is. It might be partially what you think it is, but it's actually going to be way cooler than that because it's not going to require you to do all those things that you don't think you're going to like. There's actually a lot of things that you will like about it.
0: Oh, I agree completely. I mean, you look at how many women today are in charge of balancing the checkbook, making sure that they pay all of the bills, there's the masters at organizing. And a lot of these skills, you know, they're tracking numbers, statistics, all of these things, and they actually have that aptitude. But I agree. The problem is there's this scariness <laughs> that comes with the word financial, <laughs> and they start to think, "Oh, well, you know what? That's not for me. That's boring. That's math and I don't like math." Well, actually, maybe you do, but like you said, you just need to reposition. What are the real selling points here that will get people interested to take that next step?
1: Yeah, exactly. In your companies, Chargebacks, 911, and Global Risk Technologies, do you have women doing these kinds of things in your organizations?
0: Absolutely. We normally will hire individuals that have an accounting background where they were a bookkeeper And then we find individuals that have, you know, good communication skills. These are the best client account managers because you have to understand the statistical value and really have that as an interest. We have women in every single part of the equation. And when it comes to payments in the financial technology sector, I think you'll find behind the scenes, a terrific amount of women are actually the decision makers in these processes, (laughs) whether they've realized it or not.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you know, in your career and the things that you've done, what has been something that has been really, really challenging? Something that either happened to you or something that occurred in your career that actually catapulted you maybe to learn and understand some new things and take you into a new direction or a better direction or something like that. But was there an issue, a big challenge, a failure or something like that that happened in your career?
0: Many, many. (laughs) Which one? I think (laughs) I like to say I failed my way to success, which I think, you know, (laughs) truth be told, this is what we all do. So as a merchant, the necessity that I had to be able to solve this problem for chargebacks nearly caused me to go bankrupt. I had invested everything and I was in debt. I owed money to different people. It's one of those things where, you know, you have to be pushed to a point where you think you just can't even make it another day, but don't give up. So one of the things that I think has been paramount in my personal success has been encountering challenges from the industry, from, you know, having clients that didn't pay me. These types of things though, they force you, you can either give up or you can take that as a lesson and figure out a smarter way to make it never happen again. And that's how you innovate. And that is what innovation is. You're solving problems. All of the problems that I've had, they haven't stayed problems. You know, it was problem for a short term, and it presented an opportunity for me to resolve that and innovate past that. And that innovation became a business. And that's really what we do today. Today, I look for problems. Those problems, yes, they may take you down a little ways, you have to dig yourself back up. But you're stronger for it and you know if you take a look what these types of problems do and challenges do and some of it has been you know the industry that i'm in it's the fastest growing industry as you know financial technology you know you have to stay ahead of the game there's lots of changes there's regulatory environments to navigate and then you have the business side and you have you know all the people management but the thing that i think is most important i wouldn't say that I have the very best ideas. I'm not a genius. I'm not the smartest person in the room. I have weaknesses, just like everybody. But you know, what I don't do is I don't give up. And that perseverance has been probably the single most important trait that has been able to take me to the next level is being willing to persevere and making a decision that, you know, it's okay to have a setback, because I'm actually in this for the long term. And having that wherewithal can be difficult at times. But, you know, resting on your laurels for that, I think is definitely, you know, pays in dividends the long run.
1: Well, no doubt. I mean, that's so inspiring, because, you know, from almost going bankrupt, to believing in yourself enough to continue to persist and do this, you must have known that there was a way to get to that next level all the time. And I think, as an entrepreneur, there are challenges literally every day. And some days they get us down more than others. But I think you're right. I mean, it's this persistence. When you talk to successful entrepreneurs, they just keep going. And I think they keep going. And you can tell me if this is true, because they actually believe in themselves. Nobody else might believe. Other people might say, oh, boy, this is really, oh, Monica, what are you doing? And then you just go, no, (laughs) no, this is the path I'm on. And I believe this. Do you agree that it's your belief in yourself that keeps you going?
0: Yeah. I always look at self-esteem and self-worth. You know, these are two different things. So self-esteem, I think, would be, you know, what is your approval rating for others? How do you feel about yourself in terms of what others think of you? Self-worth is where I try to put my focus. And that is based on, you know, what have I done? What have I achieved? What do I know that I know this product inside and out? I've read every single rule. I am going to figure out how to do it. And I have confidence in my ability to learn anything. And the more that I can learn, I also believe there's no problem that can't be solved. It's just going to take, you know, more effort. That self-worth is something that nobody else should be able to shatter or penetrate. Because if you know something and you're confident, then you don't need to rely on everyone else's approval. And eventually you'll find that you can actually start to influence others And then you're winning right now. You have that team effort, but standing back on the sideline. And at least for me, this is what I've seen. If I wasn't afraid to get my hands dirty and figure out, you know, what things were going on and dig in. And I was just relying on the politics or finding out how many people were going to be my cheerleader. I definitely would have quit a long time ago because (laughs) one of the first things you find, like you said, as an entrepreneur is The first thing that comes is everybody that is telling you how stupid your idea is, how it's not going to work and how you are a failure and not to continue. (laughs) And you have to ignore that and discount it and recognize what do you know? And then stay true to what you know. What have you done? And stay true to what you've done and use that as your cornerstone to grow.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think if we looked at what other people say about us, what other people's opinions are, I mean, those are important to us, but we have to maybe discount them sometimes, like you say, or just evaluate, hey, where are they coming from? What place are they coming from in saying this? And and I totally agree with you, self-esteem and self-worth. Self-worth is where we have to be standing strong. I know that I can get this done. I know that I can do this. And so Yeah, this has been really inspiring. So how can people reach you? Can you give some of your contact information?
0: You can reach me on LinkedIn. It's Monica Eaton Cardone. Same thing for my Twitter handle. And then you can also go to our website, chargebacks911.com. And you'll see a link to communicate with me there. And you can also go to my own blog, which is mec.com, MonicaEatonCardone.com.
1: Got it. Well, thank you so much. In a short interview, we love to get really, really inspiring stuff, and we did today. So thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story with us.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you. Likewise. It's great to share it and really appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar.